The Journey and Its Adventures. Fascinating title, and it opens up a world of possibilities when you think of the Scripture because there's story after story. I love the Old Testament because of all the stories that are there, and every one of them is a story of somebody's journey in their relationship and their walk with God. And so I've chosen the life of uh, Abraham this morning, and I've titled this one, All In, The Faith Journey. Uh, Not a very creative title. It's been used a lot. But I just couldn't come up with a better phrase that I think captures the spirit of what Abraham's life was all about and what this story is all about. Because when it came to the faith journey, and as an example to us, he was literally all in. I mean, he made a choice, he made a decision, and he walked that out. I came across a great quote from uh, Helen Keller. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And I think that that uh, kind of speaks into the series, that, regardless of, of your thoughts on Helen Keller's uh, political activism during her lifetime, she earned the right to say that. At 19 months, she had an illness that left her blind and deaf. And uh, obviously at that point in life, she had very limited vocabulary, but also left her angry um, at life and how things went. But uh, through a series of events, she turned into a phenomenal woman um, who became, uh, as far as we know, the first person who was blind and deaf to graduate from college. And she became an international influence in the, in the world of uh, humanitarianism. She left a mark here. And given the cards she was dealt and what she did with it, she earned the right to say life is either a daring or adventure or nothing. It's a choice that you make. with what, And some of us just feel like we're held back because life hasn't been fair to us. You know, it's like I've got this obstacle and I've got that limitation and I was born into this and that happened to me and therefore I give up. You know, we throw up our hands. But I want want you to know, not just Helen Keller, but as we look at the Bible this morning and the life of of Abraham, God's got a grand plan in place with all of this that involves you and me and offers us opportunities that are absolutely amazing if we get into, all into the faith journey. So what I'm going to do this morning is share uh, a chapter out of the journey that Joan and I have been on. When, when Jason's talking about the journey, you're thinking about, it kind of makes you think about your own journey, doesn't it? So I've been thinking about it some. And, uh, and I just thought um, it would be fun for me to do this. And uh, so there's a, th- this story has a special place in my heart. Going back, uh, in fact, it'll be 10 years next month. Joan and I, we were pastoring in Fairfax, Virginia at the time. And I remember sitting in a large stadium in Denver, Colorado, we went for a convention. There were 16,000 pastors and church leaders there, and we were listening to a sermon on this particular evening, Pastor John Lindell. And he went to this, he, he took us to Genesis chapter 12, which I'm going to take us there in just a moment. And uh, he started to open up the story, and then he asked this question. Man, I could kill, I could have wrung his neck with this. He said to us, all right, so here I am. I'm talking to all you pastors out there and church leaders, and you guys all love to talk about faith and, te- you know, preach it to people, faith, faith. I got a question for you. How many of you right now are doing anything in your life that requires you to live by faith? Now he got me. 
I don't know what happened to anybody else there, but he had my attention because I had to say, honestly, nothing. And I'm standing up trying to tell everybody else about faith. What was I doing? It really, really nailed me. And when we, when we left that place, we were walking back to the hotel. And I said to Joan, you are not going to want to hear this. <laughs> but I could only think of one thing all through that message. And that was, I felt that about 18 months previous to that time, to that message, God had spoken to me about uh, doing some studies in organizational leadership and taking a leap of faith. And we tried, we, we talked about it. We just couldn't figure it out. It was too complicated given the circumstances of life. And so I let it slide. But it's like God brought me back to the point and said, you know, what about that? And I, I'm wondering if some of you are sitting here this morning and you've let something slide. God has been at work in your life at some point in the past, and he's challenged you to some level of walking out a faith journey. And it's like, couldn't figure it out. Couldn't get there. Too complicated, too risky. And so you've been holding off. I hope this morning I can make you as uncomfortable as I was in Denver 10 years ago. Because it will open up possibilities. I mean, that that thing... we're here today largely in part to what well, Joan said to me, listen, we're done talking about this. Just shut up and do it. And I mean, the, no, very few people ever know the sacrifices that she made to get all of this stuff going on, but it's created something in our life. And the most exciting thing about it is where it takes us in our relationship with God. Let's get into the story. I've got a lot to say this morning, but I, I want to take you through the first nine verses of Genesis chapter 12. Then the Lord told Abram, I, we, I'm going to call him Abraham this entire message, but you know how his name was changed from Abram to Abraham, right? God made that decision. But this early on, he's still referenced in the Bible as Abram. Then the Lord told Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and Go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will make you a blessing to others. I will, this this third verse is awesome. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I'm going to make an issue of this later on. This is unconditional, folks. He's just saying, I'm going to do this. It's not even a promise. It's just a statement. All right, let's go on to verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. You'd have to back up in the story to get Lot, but he's, he's uh, Abram's uh, nephew, and his father has passed away, so Lot kind of attaches himself to Uncle Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Hey, that gives me hope. I'm not even quite there yet. 75, when he started. This is the beginning of this faith journey, right? He took his wife, Sarai, whom we know as Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, which wealth to them was livestock and all the people that had joined his household. Uh, you know, mostly it was servants at that point. And finally, finally arrived in Canaan. Uh, finally, is because it's a 500-mile journey from where he started to getting there. 
And it took them at least a month to do that if they went on a normal pace. But it's a lot more likely that they stopped along the way and camped for a while. So it was quite a journey. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem and set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. That's significant too, but you'd have to go to the previous chapter and read about Noah and his descendants to understand what that's all about. Don't have time for it, but this is great stuff. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am going to give this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. I just want you to know it again. He didn't say, if you do this, I'll do that. He just said, I'm going to do this. Let's finish up here. After that, Abram travels southward. And I'm reading, these two verses are in there for only one reason. I just want you to see this journey. Abram traveled southward and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar, another altar, and worshiped the Lord. Then Abram traveled south by stages toward the Negev, which is the desert in the Sinai Peninsula. Traveled south by stage. It was a journey. And it's the beginning of a long, long journey that was the rest of his life. So let's talk about this. They were picking on me in the back because I only have three points this morning. So if you're used to Jason's five or six, but I might talk a little longer on each of the three. Let's start with this one. The journey begins with a calling. The faith journey begins with a calling. Back to verse 1, then the Lord told Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. God spoke. Abraham had a choice. I'm reading a book right now that uh, Jason pulled off his uh, bookshelf and handed to me a few weeks back called uh, Summon to Lead by Leonard Sweet. It was written a decade ago. I don't know why I never saw it before, but it's a great little book. And his thesis is this. Leaders are neither made nor born, which is really in leadership studies. That's, that's one big question that everybody likes to talk about. Are leaders, are, do you have leadership traits that you are born with, or do you learn leadership through experience and education? And he said it's neither one. It's not, you're not made or you're not born uh, a leader, you are summoned to lead. That's an awesome idea because when you look at Abraham, that's exactly what happened. He only became a leader. And trust me, even to this day, he's recognized as one of the all-time great leaders in history. He was summoned by God to do it, and he just had a choice to make. Look at Moses, the burning bush. He was, you could, I mean, you could argue that being born and living in the, the, the Pharaoh's palace and all that, and then the shepherding and all that kind of made him or whatever you want. But ultimately, he was summoned to become a leader. Look at David out in the sheep pasture, right? He's, he's, watch, he's tending the family flocks, and uh, the servant of the Lord comes along and calls for him and anoints him to be. He was summoned to leadership. And I think there's this thing of summoning that goes on in our lives so much more than what we realize. Sometimes we call it a calling, but it's, the, it's those sets of circumstances or it's those moments when things happen that leave us with an option. We can rise to the occasion. 
We can step up and do what needs to be done, or we can shirk back and take the easy route and play it safe. Summon to lead. But ultimately, the question behind the calling, the summons, whatever it is, is this. Are you all in when it comes to the faith journey? Joan and I went out for a drive on Friday, and I remember seeing a billboard. There's some branch of the military service had put it up there, and and the sign simply said, there is no application, only a commitment. And that's kind of what this is when it comes to God. You don't apply for this. There's no contract. There are no negotiations. It's a yes or it's a no. That's your choice. And that's what faced Abraham in this moment. Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. Yes or no? So clear. Um, Great quote from Jason uh, two weeks ago, I think. And, uh, And I put this in my phone. And I've been thinking about it. I think this is an absolutely profound statement. And it's kind of the basis of this series. Knowing God is the main storyline of the journey and is the greatest of adventures. And really, that's where we're going to go with this entire thing. This whole deal with Abraham was about knowing God. First of all, about Abraham himself getting to know God, but secondly, for him to be that channel through which God would reveal himself to all peoples of all time. We're going to come back to that in a little bit, but that's what it's all about. It's about knowing God and it requires faith. Remember, he started out talking from second Peter chapter one, and it says in there so, so plainly that it's about getting to know God and Jesus. And I love this phrase better and better. He said, as we get to know him better, his divine power gives us everything we need for a good life. It's about getting to know God better. I, I remember sitting on the front row that first message and going, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. I was raised in church. I've been in ministry for coming up on 40 years. I've been doing this for a while. But here's the question I got to ask myself today. Am I still getting to know God better? Or am I, am I assuming that I got it all figured out? Because if I, if I ever end up there in, in this lifetime, I'm an idiot. I'm kidding myself. I, it'll take, I think it'll take all of eternity and beyond to get to know God in his fullness. In fact, that's to me, eternity is a continuation of the adventure and the journey with a heightened sense of awareness and and heightened sensibilities. We get to discover more and more. Some people say when we get to heaven, we're going to know everything instantly, blah, 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 and that can be wonderful. And I'm going, I don't think so. I think it's going to, I think every day is going to be another part of that adventure of discovering something awesome about God we never knew before. And it's going to go on and on and on. So how can I assume that I've got him figured out in the limited number of years that I've lived on this planet? It's about getting to know God. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to weave Hebrews 11 into uh, Genesis chapter 6 a bit. We call it the faith chapter of the Bible. And this is a key verse. This is elementary, but it's absolutely critical. So you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. And then we get this defined for us. 
Anyone who wants to come to him must, first of all, believe that there is a God. And secondly, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. A lot of people are struggling with that today. If they do believe there's a God, they don't believe that there's any real concrete way to know exactly who that God is or what he's like. And this changes the picture for us. God is, God is saying to us through the scripture, hey, listen, I'm inviting you on this faith journey. I'm summoning you to a faith journey. And it starts with this. You got to believe there is a God, that I'm there, and that I'm a good God. And I'm going to reward those who seek me and diligently search to find me and to know me. But it's that faith journey of getting to know God, and it becomes the quest of a lifetime. That's what it's all about for us. It implies two things. There's a decision and there's a cost. The decision for Abraham was, are you going to venture out or are you going to stay in familiar territory? Are you going to pay attention to the voice that spoke to you? And are you going to respond to that or are you going to say, I'm good right where I am? No, thanks. I'll take a pass. And then there's a cost. Go back to the point, please, Larry. Uh, in that first verse in Genesis, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house. There's a cost that's, that's built right into this. And, and for Abraham, I mean, the country, that's pretty obvious. That those are the people that he knows and the place where he lived and, and the land that they owned and the relatives, uh, those people that had been at some integral to his life and your father's house, the implications here are you're walking away from your inheritance. As far as we can tell, the numbers are a little bit confusing in there. Uh, As long as his father, Terah, lived X number of years, Abraham was 75 when this happened. but, But all implications are that Terah, Abraham's father, was still living when he made the decision at age 75 that he would follow the call of God. And so he walked away from the potential of receiving that inheritance, not just any material goods there might be, but the status in society where he's stepping up to take that place, that position of recognition and honor within the society. He's walking away from that and going someplace where he's unknown by people and unrespected from because they don't know who this guy is, this stranger that just showed up from nowhere. There was a, there was a decision and there was a cost involved. But it always a response to a summons, a calling. A faith journey begins with that. I'm pretty sure that there's some kind of a summons that takes place for every single person, including all of us sitting here today, that at some point, God, through circumstances or through some direct uh, contact with us, is saying to us, listen, I, I want you to follow me. I want you to get... I want you to get to know me. And that means you need to separate yourself from some things. And you, and you need to walk out this faith journey in the process. The greatest gift that you will receive is you get to know me. Let's go on to uh, the second point. The faith journey takes you where you've never been before. That sounds pretty obvious, but it's so important to the story. Uh, I want to get to verse 2, but let's just take a quick look at yeah. That's good. Yeah, verse. Uh, I will cause you. <laughs> I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. 
I will bless you and make you famous and I will make you a blessing to others. So there's a promise that's woven in all of this, but it's going to take him places he has never been before. Um, I'm curious by nature. Uh, when we go places, I like to look around. Joan makes fun of me. She calls me Mr. Discovery Channel. And, uh, but it's true. I just, if I'm in new surroundings, I like to walk, uh, drive around, just be nosy. I just, I'm curious. I, I, I like the adventure of seeing something new. I'm wired that way. I know not everybody is, but it's a part of what this journey, this faith journey is all about. There's something new that's involved in that. It takes you someplace that you, you haven't been before where you're discovering new things and, uh, and, and learning what God has in store for us. So there's risk involved. There's uncertainty involved in this. But it's what, and, and what God said to Abraham was leave. What's, here's what's fascinating to me. God was very clear to him about what he had to leave. God was very unclear to him about where he was to go. Don't you hate that? How can he be so specific about what I've got to give up? And so general and what's going to happen later on if I do what he's telling me to do. And a lot of people get hung up right there. It's like, well, I need more information, you know. Tell, tell, spell this out for me. Give me a calendar, you know. Put it on there, you know. I want a map. Show me exactly the path that I have to go. And, but, you know, if you know everything about it, there's no faith involved, is there? So it is a faith journey. And there's a promise there that God is going to do something. You've got to walk away from something, and you've got to walk towards something in order to engage in the faith journey. I just sense God speaking to some of you guys right now. You've got to walk away from something. It's the beginning of the faith journey for you. You've got to let go of some securities that are robbing you of the blessing God wants to pour into your life. If you'll take that step of maybe blind faith, not being able to see what's beyond that next step, and just go with him. I kind of like to think of it as reckless obedience, which is an intentional oxymoron. Because if we're being obedient to God, it's impossible to be reckless. But in our own nature, in our own humanity, it feels reckless. Because we don't have all the pieces in place. We don't even own all the pieces (laughs) to put them in place. But you put it together and there's that sense of reckless uh, obedience to God. Can we go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11? And let's, let's look at these verses, uh, 8 through 10. It's so cool that Hebrews talks so much about Abraham when it's, when it's given us lessons on faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed, there's that word, when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as, there it is, as his inheritance. So he left his inheritance. God said, I got a different inheritance for you, trust me. He went without knowing where he was going. 
That's the tough part right there. And then look at verse 9. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. So there's no, there's no getting away from this faith journey. For he was like a foreigner living in a tent. This is his entire life. And by the way, so did Isaac. Who's Isaac? Abraham's son. And Jacob. Who's Jacob? Abraham's grandson to whom God gave the same promise but didn't deliver on it in their lifetime. Three generations in verse 9. All of them living out of tents while they're embracing the promise of an inheritance of a land that was going, God was going to give them the deed to that property. So it's still a faith journey. And then verse 10, Abraham did this because he was confidently, that's where the faith comes in, looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So The faith journey, the destination of the faith journey is nothing in this life. It's eternity. That's where it's headed. It's all going there. So if things aren't working exactly the way we had hoped in this life, it's not because something about the faith journey is broken. It's just that it's another opportunity for God in some different way to reveal himself to us so we can know him better. And so we keep our eyes pasted to that future place where we know Perfection is going gonna, is gonna to reign, and it's all going to be what God promised us that it would be. Think about the journey for, for Abraham. I know a lot of you are pretty familiar with, with this passage in the Old Testament, but think about it. Once Abraham said yes, and he packed up everything, and he left Haran and headed west toward Canaan, Think of what transpired in his lifetime. Shortly after that, I mean, you don't even get out of chapter 12 until Abraham and Sarah and, and uh, the, all those people are down in Egypt. Because after they arrived there, there for some period of time, we're not told how long, a famine hit the land. And so Abraham's summoned to lead. He's got, a, he's got a, animals and he's got people to take care of. And so he's going... I know that there's green pastures and I know that there's food in Egypt. And so if these people and these animals are going to survive, I've got to get them there. However, there's one problem. If I take them there, my life is in jeopardy because I got this gorgeous woman for a wife and somebody's going to want her and they're going to kill me so they can have her. So, He's got all this going on, and then he's got this thing happening where he's got a promise of a son. I mean, God specifically spoke to him and and to to, to Sarah during the, the course of these events and said to them, Sarah will bear a child, and it will be a son, and you'll name him Isaac. And so all these, so he's got this unfulfilled promise that makes no sense because of their ages. He's got that going on, and then he's got Lot, his nephew, and they kind of, his Lot's people and Abraham's people, they were bumping at each other out in the sheep pastures and fighting. They need to separate, so he's got that going on. Lot ends up taking the lush, fertile pastures down in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then all, there's nine different kings that are fighting over this, this land, five against four. And in the midst of all of that, Lot and everybody, all his people, they get, they get swallowed up in that and carried off as captives 
and booty for for the winning team in this battle. So here's here's Abraham again. He becomes a general. He gets his folks together. They become an army, and he goes to war against these people. I mean, five kings, right? And here's Abraham and his folks, and they go out and they witness it. This is the journey that he got into. In every step of the way, God's teaching Abraham something new about who he is and how to trust him. That all worked out really good. And then you got Sodom and Gomorrah, and then, and then you got Ishmael, right? That's all part of that journey. And then you've got Isaac comes along. And then when Isaac is a, is a young man, maybe in his early teens, the God says to him, Hey, listen, you need to go sacrifice your son on the altar. It's like, wait a minute. This is all a part of the journey that they're on. And in the midst of all of this, Abraham is getting to know God in ways that he never could have understood him had he stayed in Haran. It's the journey and the adventures that bring you to knowledge of God. Promises, obstacles, blessings. That's the story. That's your story and it's my story too. If I can help you out a little bit from just some of my own personal experience, I've tried to over the years, develop a sensitivity to hearing God. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't happen for me very often. And when it does happen, it's more like uh, an idea. And it's not just an idea in my head. It's an idea in my soul and my spirit that feels to me like, you know, having gotten to know God to some degree, it just feels like a God idea to me. And to me, that's hearing the voice of God. That's how it works for me. And I've tried to, over the years, be obedient to that, even when it seemed a little reckless and when I wasn't even sure if it was a God idea or just my own overactive imagination. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? But I I had determined this a long time ago. I would rather risk being wrong and embarrassing myself and doing something dumb than to disobey if it is, in fact, God who's speaking to me. Here's how you get there. There's this gift that Jesus promised called the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit calls him the paraclete in the Greek language, which means your comforter and your, the, the one who comes alongside of you. And then Jesus said, hey, I got an even sweeter deal than that. He's not just going to go with you and be with you. He will be in you. That's the gift. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to be. Read Acts chapter 2 and you'll see how this all happened. Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's how you get there. You trust the Holy Spirit to understand the mind and the purposes of God for your life to the point that even in, in your sincere attempts to try to do it right, or you just, you're, let's face it, you're just your idiotic screw-ups, the Holy Spirit will get you back on course with where God wants you to go because he knows what it's all about. He understands our humanity and he knows our teachable moments. He knows how it all works and he's at work in us and through us to bring us to that point. I got to move along. This third part of this is the journey. The faith journey is about partnering with God to fulfill his plan. This is my favorite part of this. I hope I can make my point quickly. Um, 
Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And I've already made the point that that's not a promise and it's not conditional. It's just a statement. God had decided that. And he's saying to Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. I just want to know what are you going to do. And I, I love that because... It's, it's not, the story is not so much about Abraham as it is about God revealing himself to humankind. And God had made a choice pretty early in the Bible. We're only 12 chapters in to the entire Bible. And God said, I want people to know me. And so here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to let them get to know me story by story, experience by experience, adventure by adventure. And so Abraham... You're going, to start, you're going to start this thing off. We're going to begin with you, and then you're going to have a son, miraculously, and then you're going to turn into a nation, and out of this nation is going to come a revelation of God that's going to just going to be a blessing to the whole earth. Everybody's going to, everybody's going to benefit from this. And folks, read, read it. That's exactly what happened. The Bible came to us through the descendants of Abraham. And it's the stories of all of their journeys and their lives that help us get to know God because we see how he's interacting with them in all these, this grand diversity of experiences that they go through. And you see God doing this and God's doing that. That's how you get to know God. That's why we keep saying, read the Bible. God is showing, he's telling us who he is and what he's like in here through those stories. And he chose Abraham to do it. Let me give you an illustration of how that plays out. We don't have time to go into it, but I already alluded to the last half of chapter 12. You have him going down into Egypt, and Abraham is literally afraid that uh, they're going to kill him because of the desirability of his wife. He's a very beautiful woman. So, and that's kind of how it plays out. Uh, Pharaoh, somebody in Pharaoh's court notices Sarah. Uh, the word spreads. Pharaoh wants her to become part of his harem. So, um, and Abraham has this thing going with Sarah. Hey, just tell him that you're my sister, you know? And it was a lie, but I mean, he kind of rationalized how he could make that work due to how all the family thing back in Haran and that kind of stuff. But, but it was a lie. And here's the deal. The Bible doesn't moralize at all about whether Abraham told the truth or he should have, did, should have done that, did, shouldn't have done that, doesn't do that at all. The whole point of the story is that regardless of what Abraham did, he couldn't keep that from happening. So Pharaoh realizes that he's made a mistake. He gives Abraham his wife back along with a whole bunch of gifts, sends him on his merry way. And nothing is really said about what Abraham did or said or didn't do or didn't say. The whole deal is you can't mess this up. I am going to reveal myself through you. Regardless of what you do or how this journey all plays out, I mean, if it goes this direction, then they'll see me as that. And if it goes that direction, then they'll see me. I mean, God, God is going to reveal. And he did through the good times and the bad times of all of Israel's history. The times when they obeyed God, we see him pouring out his blessings. The time when they disobeyed God and went their own way and rejected him, we see them being punished. God is revealing his nature in all these ways all through the Bible. He's just showing us who he is. And that was what the journey was about. For Abraham, he got to personally experience that on the front end, but it's still... It's for our benefit. And then when you, when you get to Matthew chapter 1, 
we see that the ultimate revelation of God, and we have the scripture, which is his revelation of himself, but the ultimate revelation is Jesus himself, whom God sends to this earth. Read Matthew chapter 1 and, and, and the very opening verse. It's a, it talks about the ancestors of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Verse number 2, who does it start with? Abraham. And it shows you generation by generation by generation, even counts them out for you, how we got from Abraham to Jesus, who is a direct descendant of, of, of Abraham. It's all part of God's plan to reveal himself to us, ultimately through the Bible and through Jesus Christ himself. It's really an amazing thing. Let me just take a moment for this back to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I think that by the time we get to this point in the story, Abraham is starting to catch on. That God has a plan in place. He's going to reveal himself through Abraham and his descendants. And nothing is going to stop that. So look at, look at it, this in that light. Verse 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, Though God had promised him, Isaac, not anybody else, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. All right? So Abraham, I think he's catching on. Verse 19, Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. God is setting something in motion that nothing can stop. There's promises and there's obstacles and there's blessings. And when, you walk, when you're in the day-to-day aspect of walking out this faith journey, our choices do have an effect on the blessings that God puts into our life. Choose to disobey, uh, it's not going to go as well. Choose to obey his abundance, his blessing. And, and blessing, by the way, in Hebrew, the Hebrew language is three things. It's protection. It's care meeting our needs, and it's favor, abundance of good things that he pours into our lives. That's the blessing. And our obedience does have something to do with it, but I just want you to understand through this story that this faith journey that we are summoned to, there's a piece of that that God has already put into motion. He's doing something in your life, and you have no choice except to say yes or say no to him. Are you ready for the journey? Those who are going to be serving communion, if you'd please prepare to do so. And I'd like everyone else just to close your eyes as we close with this prayer, and then we're going to, we're going to have communion together. You're here this morning. Something's going on in your heart, inside of you. You sense God. God has his hand on your life. And maybe for the first time today, you're ready to say, I want to start the faith journey. And the way you start the faith journey, the Bible's very clear. You, you give your life to Jesus. It's through Jesus, God's revelation of himself, that we come to him. And as Jesus himself said, there is no way to God the Father except through Christ. You're here this morning, you want to start the faith journey. By receiving Christ into your life, I'd love to pray for you. If you just slip up your hand quickly so that I can see it, we're going to pray together. Thank you, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You're ready to start the faith journey today. You know God is talking to you. He's calling you. He's summoning you. And you're ready to say yes right now. 
Anyone else before we pray? I don't want to rush this, but oh, I don't, I don't want to miss an opportunity. Let's pray together. Lord, awesome day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that opens up the word of truth to us and shows us a better way. Thank you that you are revealing yourself. Thank you that you care about us personally, individually. And Lord, this morning, we express our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the ultimate revelation of who God is. You are the one who came to this earth and lived a perfect life, brought the truth from God to us on this planet. You are the one who died a death, a penalty for our sins in our place and rose from the dead miraculously and are alive today. You are the one who's preparing a place for us in eternity. And Lord, we just give our faith, our, give our lives, our future to you to bring glory and honor to your name. We pray for Jesus' sake.